0: Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Meir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. This is episode 48 of the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast, and thanks for listening. We're working on season five, and we are also celebrating three plus years of podcasting. Wow. And thousands of episode downloads. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for our lively conversations, prescriptions, and advice for life. I hope that these special Melissa Rx Scripts podcast stories have inspired you and helped to widen the path for leadership. Exploring Opportunities, Pursuing Your Passion, and Taking Risks. Well now, on today's podcast, I'll be talking with Dr. Ann Jeanette Wyatt. Ann Jeanette and I are going to be discussing many things, including her leadership experiences and passion for health literacy. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Ann Jeanette and then also let her tell you about herself, her career, and her many varied experiences in life in general, Anjanette made history as president of the APHA Foundation. Dr. Wyatt is the first Black woman to serve as president in the American Pharmacists Association Foundation's 70-year history. Wow, wow, wow. Anjanette also is pharmacy manager, president, and chief executive officer of Clinical Care Pharmacy and has experience serving as a consultant pharmacist. Dr. Wyatt obtained her Bachelor and Doctor of Pharmacy degrees from Texas Southern University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Earlier, she graduated from the University of Texas at Austin with a biology degree. She has received numerous awards, is highly engaged in her community, and finds time to mentor and advise emerging leaders. This is so important for the future of pharmacy. And Jeanette, thanks for being here with me today. As we get started, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family and a brief overview of your career experiences.
0: Hi, Melissa. First I want to thank you for having me today. I, I am so excited to share my journey uh, with your audience. And I am ecstatic about what you're doing in the pharmacy world and the community. I have came from humble beginnings and I grew up in Houston, Texas, in uh, an area of the city called Fifth Ward. <laughs> and uh many great Individuals have come out of that area, and uh, I am proud to be a resident and and having grown up in that area. Uh, I started my journey at uh, the local public elementary school called McDade Elementary, and then I went on to middle school, Key Middle School, and then I was Actually, bust over to uh, a a magnet school, which kind of changed the trajectory of my life because it was an, I tested into an engineering program. Oh wow! Yeah, at this school, and so I went to the high school for engineering professions, and there I was able to really get into STEM education, and I, I want to give thanks in homage to my my teachers during that time, because they really encouraged me in middle school, high school, they were very nurturing. They encouraged me to excel because they they felt that I could do it. And I'm so happy that um, they did that. So that engineering STEM program really broadened my knowledge base in the sciences. And uh, went on to get a full scholarship at UT Austin. And um, I was biology pre-med. But my sister uh, was actually in pharmacy school at the time. And uh, she encouraged me, instead of going to medical school, to go to pharmacy school. And I ended up graduating from UT and joining her at pharmacy school at Texas Southern University. So that's how I ended up with being a a longhorn and a tiger.
1: (laughs) Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It's so interesting, you know, I think your reflection about the teachers and how they helped you along the journey, and then the focus in STEM. Such important lessons for people that it can just be a relationship that changes your life, right?
0: Absolutely. and i I, I reiterate that to public I'm on the PTO. I've been on PTO you know ever since I had children. And uh, I reiterate that to the staff and the teachers at my kids' school. It's important because this is the pivotal point in these kids' lives. and they are with the teachers longer than they are with their parents. During a 24-hour day, so we really encourage teachers to be uh, mentors as well to the students. Also, you asked me about my family. I've been married uh, a long time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I I have three girls and two boys. <laughs> And, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, so I had to do all of this and go back to school and get my farm D because when I came out, we didn't have farm D's uh in Texas yet. So to go back and get a post baccalaureate traditional farm D with children. So <laughs> So that was that was hard. But once I graduated from pharmacy school, I was recruited by Eli Lilly & Company. So I went straight into pharmaceutical industry. I loved, loved uh, being uh, with Eli Lilly & Company. It was a great experience, great job. And I did that for many years. But then I came back home to Houston because I was in Los Angeles, California. But I came home to Houston because my dad was ill and I um, started working at St. Luke. Um, Episcopal Hospital in the Texas Medical Center, which is a renowned medical center worldwide. And so I've worked in a lot of different facets of uh, a pharmacy, which is good for me to have all those different experiences. So after that, I went and taught pharmacy school at Texas Southern University. And then I had an opportunity to open my own store. And I thought, what a great way to impact the community further by having my own Uh, retail business. And so I called it clinical care because um, I had been trained clinically and did clinical work at the hospital. And I said, wouldn't it be a great opportunity to merge clinical pharmacy with retail pharmacy so that we would have a bigger picture? Now we have of the patients, you know, help. And now we MTM, we have all these different avenues that we can utilize as pharmacists to not only just Fill the prescriptions, but know more about the patient so that we can can uh, manage their their profile, their Mars, and manage their help them to manage their health.
1: That is just so, so cool. And I love how you described your journey and the different facets that you went into. And, you know, I want to provide the linkage that connected the two of us together. You and I both share a passion for women in pharmacy and also the APHA Foundation and the work that the APHA Foundation has done for 70 plus years. So that's, you know, been our connection where you and I both serve on the Women in Pharmacy Committee. And I'm so joyful that we were able to see each other in person recently in Phoenix. Um, You know, I think for... All of us being able to be at in-person meetings again, to gather together, to learn together, to innovate, to figure out network, figure out what's next, was just such a super rewarding um, experience. So I loved seeing you. um, And we'll talk more about some of those activities as our conversation goes. So you mentioned, you know, starting at UT and um, a shout out to. The folks in Texas. I have a very dear friend who, um, well, several friends who have gone to UT and um, bleed burnt orange. Uh, And so, whenever I see that color, I always think, "Oh, that'd be a great gift for them." But you also, you know, mentioned that you attended Texas Southern University College of Pharmacy, and you know, TSU is one of the nation's largest historically black universities. So, tell me more about your HBCU experience.
0: Well, it's interesting because um, I came from UT, so it was like from one, (laughs) one atmosphere to another atmosphere but yep. I want to I want to say it was one of the best experiences, and I would encourage anyone no matter the race to go to an historically black college or university it's a great experience the camaraderie was really close-knit UT is huge so it's like 50,000 students there whereas most HBCUs are smaller and so the settings are smaller I enjoyed the homecomings and all the different things. And pharmacy school was rough at Texas Southern University. It was really challenging, which I loved. I uh, that's where I started my leadership journey. To be honest with you, because I was definitely compelled to to do one thing. This is interesting. You're gonna you're gonna love this story, Melissa. When I graduated from UT Austin, we received these huge degrees. I mean, they were huge. And of course, they have the nice framing for them. And I put this in this frame with the tower on there. And it was just wonderful. Yeah. So when my sister graduated from Texas Southern University, her degree was a high school diploma degree, like, you know, the little small eight by 11. And I'm oh, no, we work more, far too hard for that. <laughs> we need a big degree. So. I petitioned. I said, when I graduate, I'm not going to get that small degree. I'm going to get a huge one, like I got a UT. <laughs> so I went on this quest to change the degree of the univ- of the for the College of Pharmacy. So that was like my first leadership experience. So I went and petitioned the dean. He he said, well, you can't just come because you want this changed. What about the other people? I said, okay, I'll be back next week. I went and got and collected 500 signatures from all of the pharmacy students saying that they wanted the degree increased and they would be willing to pay the the fee for it. And I brought my degree and I compared it to my sister's degree to every class. (laughs) So my degree from UT versus my sister's degree from Texas Southern. So I got all the signatures and the dean was so impressed that I came back with all this data um, that he went to the council of deans and they approved it, went to the Border uh, the president approved it of the university and went to the border region. They approved it, and I got to design the degree that they received today. Oh my! I designed the entire degree because they said, "If you did all this, we want what y- we want you to design the degree that all pharmacy graduates will get from here on out."
1: I just think that is such a powerful story, <laughs> and it also shows the power of idea. Right? You know that you you saw something and you were like, felt it was an injustice and let's try to address it. And then, you know, you went up the hill and at first we're told, is this just you? And then you had to go back down to gather the data, which, you know, oftentimes that happens to to really be innovative and impact change. So, oh my gosh, that's so powerful. And to, you know, to our listeners out there, if you have something that's kind of sparking that you'd like to work on or change, let Anjanette's inspiration, um, you know, but what's wild, though, is like, you know, future students were probably had no idea that it was different before. So that that is so cool. I really appreciate, you know, you. Yes. Um, and,
0: and it really started my leadership journey, because after that, I became class president. I also became regent of Kappa Psi pharmaceutical fraternity. And I just started doing a lot of leadership roles at the college. And it was a journey that I wouldn't change for anything because, because of my leadership, that's why I uh, received an offer from Eli Lilly, Merck, Park Davis, Pfizer. I had a lot of offers from industry um, when I um, graduated. So You know, I'm really grateful. And I do want to encourage students out there, if you have an idea, don't be shy about it. I mean, you really have to implement, execute, and make sure that your dreams come true and that you bring everything you want to fruition.
1: Well, I'm so happy for you and happy to hear that that was the spark for your leadership journey. And I think that's such an important message for our student pharmacists and our emerging leaders. And you and I both share a passion for history too. And, you know, we connected through the APHA foundation. And as I talked about in your introduction, you recently made history and you, you know, that I've tried to highlight that too during our women in pharmacy events and just foundation things, you know, in your leadership that you're the first black women to serve as president of the APHA foundation. So let's chat about how this kind of builds on your overall career and your community engagement and your focus on promoting public health.
0: Well, I've, been philanthropic for many years. Since I graduated, I was always, because I came from a a community with health disparities, I I grew up in a community that didn't have what it needed. You know, healthcare was hard to to access and it was a challenge. And I wanted to always go back into my community and assist in the community. So that's really where my passion is. My passion is in helping others. I know as healthcare providers and healthcare leaders, we can do this we can do this and we are impactful. So philanthropically, I had done so much in the community. I During Hurricane Harvey, I uh, saw a need, called the mayor, and the mayor put me in touch with the, the city uh, phys- physician. And I ended up opening a 24-hour volunteer pharmacy at the shelter, the NRG shelter. We served over 7,000 survivors of Harvey. And I got all of the pharmacies in the city, and in other states to donate the medications. So we had a full pharmacy of donated medications that were sent in. I got the blessings from the Texas State Board of Pharmacy who issued me an emergency license to open this pharmacy. The mayor gave me a, he uh, presented me with a proclamation for this. If I see a need, Melissa, I am going to go after it and I'm going to try to help as many people as I can. And that's what we all should do. That's my duty to my community as a healthcare leader, we took an oath as a pharmacy and in that oath, it states that we are committed to bringing these types of, of initiatives to others and to public health. I'm very passionate about it and that's where I fit very well with the uh, APHA Foundation. This is, will be my sixth and final year on the board for the APHA Foundation and I'm so impressed with what we've been able to do over the six years. This year is the first year of my tenure. We have done better this year than we have in the entire 70 years. So we're on a positive trajectory. We have so many different initiatives, Project Impact Diabetes, Project Impact Atrial Fibrillation, and we have a lot going on that we present and bring that data for pharmacists to let the public, the CDC, and the government know how much we do as healthcare providers for citizens in the United States. So that data that we collect, it can it's utilized to show the impact of pharmacists in America. I started off as director. The first couple of years, I really observed because I knew what I if I was able to ever need in the foundation, I knew that I really wanted us to bring a lot of impactful programs to the community. And I'm so grateful that I was chosen to uh, be the president and to lead us into a positive uh, trajectory of doing more and all that we can for our patients. So uh, this is, I was elected for a second term, I don't know if you're aware of that, but I was elected for a second term uh, as president. So this year, my goal is to increase the awareness, number one, of pharmacists of the foundation. Because of the fact we're doing so much to impact the the field of pharmacy, uh, pharmacists all across America need to know what we are doing and they need to support our efforts because when the foundation wins, APHA wins. When APHA wins, pharmacists win. When pharmacists win, patients win. So it's all tied in together for us. And I am really dependent on all the students that are listening right now and that are out there in pharmacy school, because you represent the future. You represent the where this field is going. And I want you to to dive into your or or go inner in your inner spirit and bring out that tenacious person, that tenacious pharmacist that's going to make a difference in our field. And I'm depending on these students. They're smart. They're you know intellectual, and they have what it takes to make a difference. And you saw at the uh, at the recent annual meeting in Phoenix. You saw how many students were there and present and and um, engaging, I was so impressed. And I really enjoyed seeing you and everyone. I think that meeting was really energized and very exciting for, for everyone who attended. So uh, I think people are, like you said, grateful and, and glad to see each other again. And we need to to compound on that and, and take that excitement and bring it you know, to the world like you're doing in and podcasts and, and different uh, avenues that we can share what pharmacists do. I always say we are the best kept secret in America. Yeah. the smartest healthcare providers, but many people in America, including the politicians, they are totally unaware of the impact we have on healthcare.
1: Well, as you talked about your journey, Anjanette. Thank you so much for highlighting The efforts with Hurricane Harvey. You know, I remember when that hit in in Houston and in Texas. And I think there's been so much focus in the last couple of years, rightfully so, related to the pandemic, you know, and COVID 19, that I think sometimes you can not remember or think about the impact that pharmacists have had on natural disasters for years, you know, whether it's been Hurricane Harvey, Katrina, ensuring that our patients and our communities have the care and also the other needs met. And it sounds like that's what you did that, you know, you were like, okay, this is in my community. I talked to the mayor. How do we set this pharmacy up? How do we do the emergency um, declaration and ensure that we can practice with the state Texas state board of pharmacy. And I want to give a shout out to our colleagues at the Texas state board of pharmacy. Cause I spent a lot of time with them over the years in Texas and Austin, when I was leading the pharmacy technician certification board, and you have such a great group focused on protecting the public. So that's just really cool and i think your call to action engagement for our student pharmacists and our practitioners out there about you know telling the story sharing what's been done and and trying some things is really cool and then highlighting you know the work of the foundation there's so many innovative projects and you know i wanted to spend just a couple minutes because you know you and i both work on the women in pharmacy initiatives and i feel like there's really been some magical initiatives recently. And one, I would say, was in October when we were at 2215 at the building um, for the Women in Pharmacy Next 10. And then the second would be the Women in Pharmacy event that happened on Friday night at the APHA annual meeting. I mean, A full session, and you and I will both agree, that room was packed and that room was buzzing. After Dr. Lucinda Main, who's been on the podcast, gave her, you know, remarks about belief and and engagement, and then we broke into networking sessions, and then there was a social, a margarita mixer, and the lines to just for people to interact and, and to continue the engagement. So talk to me a little bit about those two events and what they meant to you and, you know, just what your insights were from those two events.
0: The Women in Pharmacy event in October was phenomenal. It was history making. We were making history right there because we were recognizing the next 10 women in pharmacy that will be on that wall for years to come. And their stories, their pearls, as I call them, pharmacy pearls to the next generation and the students is just uh, invaluable. I think that it's a great opportunity for us to see where pharmacy for women has evolved you know and how it how it has evolved over the years i know when i graduated it was a male dominated field in fact, when I interviewed for Lily, uh, Eli Lilly and Company, I was the only female there to interview. It was all males in all Farm D's, and I didn't have my Farm D at the time, and I got the job. So it was definitely competitive and a male dominated field. I've interviewed with seven individuals for the job, and they all were male. And everyone competing with me was male. So I'm impressed with where Women in Pharmacy has come uh, from the induction and, and initiation of the Women in Pharmacy Committee and what we have been able to do over the years. And the recent Women in Pharmacy event at the annual meeting, that was just totally Memorable. Um, I love the interaction. I'm a person that likes engagement because if you're just talking and you're not getting that feedback from your audience and also ideas and thought processes, then, you know, to me, it's not as impactful for the audience if, as it is when uh, just a person is speaking. So, the group that I was uh, over, we talked about maternal mortality, mm-hmm. which is huge in America right now. It's an issue that we really need to focus on as pharmacists to help uh, women give birth and save their life and their their infant lives so they can, you know, have a good motherhood. So the other thing we spoke about was heart disease in women. And that's another silent killer for women in America. So our interaction, engagement, and conversations were just dynamic. At the end, I was able to share my passion with with a lot of students in my group, but I was able to share the passion of pharmacy because what You know, when I finished talking to them, they said, we are so grateful to to talk to someone who has a love and a passion for pharmacy because they don't they told me they don't see that much. But, you know, you really have to love the field to 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 be impactful in the field. You can't do pharmacy just for money or for anything other than the passion of helping people with their save and, and helping people with their health and saving lives. And so I'm I'm here to tell all the students and all the pharmacists that are listening, listening love your profession, love your field, because I certainly love what I do.
1: I love that. Love your profession, love your field. And You know, as you shared reflections from that October event and that it was history-making, I want to alert our listeners that um, one of a member of our Women in Pharmacy Committee, Jenny Bingham, along with John Grabenstein, recently published an article that highlights what happened that day. And so I'll make sure that we link that in the show notes, because I think that was an idea that the committee talked about is, you know, how do we keep this, uh, bring it to life, and and allow others to have access to it. So super excited about that. And that's- Another thing, Melissa, that I wanted to share is
0: in my uh, my charge is to get more articles out there. John uh, Gravenstein is very astute in research, and and so we're going to put out even more articles. So everyone, go and look at that article and be on the lookout for more articles like that.
1: Oh my goodness, that I just I I'm doing a little happy dance. That is just such. Uh, John and I served on the. Um, American Institute for the History of Pharmacy Board of Directors. You know, he's a past Remington medalist, one of our top in the world really related to immunizations and vaccines. So yay, yay, yay. Well, you know, as you and I talked about getting together on this podcast and um, just connecting and getting to know each other a little bit better, we found out, small world, that we had a friend in common, Rhonda Houston, um, dear friend of mine who uh, passed away a couple years ago, but she's connected to UT Austin and Delta Sigma Theta sorority. And, you know, so I always kind of keep my eyes out, especially when I'm traveling, if I see someone rocking the red. So (laughs) tell me, you know, tell me more about being a Delta. I love
0: being a Delta. Um, There are nine different um, African-American sororities and fraternities, and I'm not a legacy, which means I don't have, I didn't have I do now, but I didn't have at the time anyone in my family, like my mother or sister or anyone that was Greek. So when I was choosing what sorority I wanted to join, I went to the library and did research on them. And um, Delta Sigma Theta um, had so many fantastic women that, were, that I idolized, and they had done so much in America and in their communities. I said, I want to be just like those ladies. Barbara Jordan, who's from Houston, is a Delta. Uh, it was a Delta, you know, and she still is. You see, but um, she's passed away, of course. But there are so many ladies that I can name. Lena Horn. There are so many phenomenal Deltas, and those ladies really made a difference in their communities and, and in the in, in the nation and the world. And um, I wanted to be like those ladies. So I pledged uh, my sorority at uh, UT Austin at Epsilon Beta Chapter. And then I was very, very active at Delta Gamma at Texas Southern University as well. Um, We are a community service sorority. We have five programmatic thrusts that we, and one of them is in the field of health. So I am a director with the Delta Research and Educational Foundation, and we concentrate on communities of color with disparities, health disparities. So I was able to get our Di- Impact Diabetes Program for the APHA Foundation to partner with DREF to get that program into the communities that diabetes impact the most. And it has been a great, great initiative to where we are now having the Delta's all over America, bring this program to the communities. And we have a lot of success stories of how we have prevented diabetes in uh, ladies, their family members, and just pre-diabetic or people at risk for diabetes all over the nation. It's a story that needs to be told. And again, we will get John to get that out, that information out to the public uh also i want to point out that the cdc only selected 10 organizations nationwide to be a part of this initiative and we the apha foundation was one of the 10 that was selected for this diabetes initiative that is huge um, and we have a great relationship with the cdc and we are doing all we can to to put these initiatives into the community, so it was a great match for Delta Sigma Theta, the Delta Research and Educational Foundation, to assist with this with, with this you know initiative for diabetes. The program uh, participants they get a one year long classes, uh, coach, and everything that where they meet weekly. And then they start meeting monthly, then quarterly, but they go through their exercise routines. They have classes and everything. It's a six a, a program that's worth $600, but it's given free to the public.
1: So, so amazing, Anjanette. And I think you're right about working with organizations that can help to identify where the most need is, but also just raising awareness in general. You know, and, and on this podcast today, we've talked about the impact of- diabetes and also heart disease. And, you know, two things, I've been a active volunteer with the American Heart Association, the Go Red campaign, our, our circle of red, the number one killer of women. So just so, so important. And to be able to to match that up with your passions, you know, your your passions for healthcare, your passions for pharmacy, and then your passions for um Delta Sigma Theta, I just think is just like the coolest, the coolest thing. So, so thrilled to hear that. And I did talk about Rhonda in an earlier episode. It was episode 25 with Michelle Williams. I actually dedicated that episode to her. So I feel like, um, I don't know if you feel this too, that like she's smiling down on us and kind of, I feel like when I connect with the Delta that she's been played a part in that, you know, of, of making sure that we connect and have a relationship and most often end up working together in some way.
0: Oh, absolutely. Rhonda was a Total jewel. I love Rhonda. She was the sweetest person ever. She was a great sorority sister. She was committed and quiet, but always was a friend that you can count on. And I loved. We would see each other all the time. And I uh, actually pledged before her, so I was uh, able to pledge her and bring her into the sorority. And I miss her tremendously. We we all do. And she is smiling down on us. She's definitely definitely proud of uh, what we've been able to do with um, Delta and she's proud that we were coupled it with pharmacy. So that's a great, great opportunity. I think when we go back to homecoming that we are going to honor her um, when we go back to UT for homecoming. So.
1: Oh, that, that is so, so cool. Um, You know, a thread in our conversation today has been about um, leadership and developing emerging leaders and serving as a mentor. So I know that's really important to you and you've, you've touched on that a little bit, but you know, how's that going for you serving as a mentor and where are some of your mentees today? I
0: absolutely love mentoring students. Now, I, I, I just love impacting the next generation. My mentors are all over um, the US. Some of the places that they have landed uh, in their careers is the FDA, NIH, CDC, the Pentagon, (laughs) yes, and then a lot of them are professors now Uh in the College of Pharmacy, and they're also in industry, so some of them are in uh, pharmaceutical industry as well, and many of them went on to open their own pharmacies, which is really great because, you know, that expands our reach in the community even further, so I'm very proud of all of my my mentees, and I love that they come back and let me know what they're doing. Um, They also thank me, and I am so grateful that they, they come back and they thank me for giving them, you know, all the tools they need to go out there and make that huge impact in their careers and in the community. Because a lot of times when students come out, they have all these great, like, accolades you know they're president of ASP they're this and they they're very out there and then when they graduate something happens and then they 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 retreat you know they don't continue with their association involvement and they just they there's a turn so I encourage these students to not stop at at student level at the student level to go out there and be as tenacious as they were as students and to push the envelope um step outside the box push the envelope do things that you're passionate about and do them with vigor you know let people know who you are i tell them all the time you're a doctor and i put their name out <laughs> after now repeat it tell me who you are and and it's just a confidence to self-esteem building um letting them know because without that pharmacy can't advance we have to have these students coming out and and being matter-of-factly proud of what they do and who they are, and that they can can not necessarily challenge, but they can hold their own with physicians in terms of the you know the right medicine for the right patient and the right treatment modality. I want to tell you this really quick. I know I talk a lot, but I want to share this. Patient advocacy is real, especially with those that are, have health uh, literacy issues and those that have health disparities during COVID. I was a patient advocate. It was, it's, um, you can go to Fox uh, 26 news and put my name in. And I was on Fox news because of the lives that I saved during COVID. And that was by being a patient advocate during, at the start of COVID, a lot of the physicians didn't really know, you know, what the treatment modality was and how to save lives. And it was just a lot of learning. So I, Really went in fighting for the lives of those who couldn't fight for themselves. One of my patients' daughter was ill with COVID, and they gave her up for, you know, dead. They told her mother to make her funeral arrangements. And this young lady was only 33, and she had three cho- you know, small children, and and once I got wind of that, I called my patient, and I she's was devastated you know, and she gave me the, she uh, signed over the rights for me to speak on her behalf. And with that, I went in fighting for them to give her the right medications to save her life. She needed monoclonal antibodies. She was young. She can re- revitalize and um, she needed hydrocortisone uh, and a lot of different things that were not on board. And these medicines have to be onboarded quickly. She had already gone into a coma. She was in a coma 30 30 plus days. And she finally, uh, once they gave her the medicines, they agreed. And they, I want to tell pharmacists, they're going to give you pushback, the community, because everybody wants to be right. And so they will give pushback, which they did to me. And I pushed right back (laughs) and told them, no, she needs these medications. I need for you to give them to her stat. And they finally agreed with me because it was a team of doctors and they finally agreed with me. They gave her, they said, listen, we're pulling out all the stops for this young lady because you know, she's blessed to have you as an advocate. They gave this little lady these meds that I suggested and she's alive today today because of the intervening of a pharmacist. I want pharmacists to know their power. I want them to know that they are able, we are the medication experts, experts. And that means that our voices need to be heard in the uh, treatment of patients, in terms of our opinion uh, of what's best for the patient. If you get an opportunity, go to Fox 26, uh, the Isaiah factor and put in Dr. Angela Wyatt and it will come up and you can view it. And it shed light. I I received calls from all over the nation. Once that aired and it was viewed a lot, I think we can make we can do wonders in the healthcare field if we partner with the physicians, with the nurse practitioners, with the physician assistants, in determining what medication is best to heal this patient.
1: Yeah, I, I Anjanette, I think you touched on so many important pieces related to collaboration and related to the interprofessional team and also advocacy and standing up for our patients. um, So many important pieces. And then just the, I think the tenacity and grit that we get from navigating pharmacy school, and then, you know, our training, so many, many important things. And also, I, you know, don't want to lose sight of, you talked about your passion for emerging leaders, and then when you've heard from them about where they are now. And you know, I had many important moments in Phoenix, but one that I, you know, just want to share with you, which I think you had some of these too, is I met someone in person who I had been mentoring and sponsoring. And she told me how much our work together had meant to her and had changed her life. And it was just, I was, it was, it just filled me up with joy and gratitude. And um, I'm just so incredibly proud of the public health work that she's doing and the leadership that she's providing. And so it's my pleasure and honor I've had her on the podcast earlier. But I think, I guess my question or or not question, but my comment would be that if you haven't reached out to someone that who has mentored you, it's a good time to just let them know you know, what's going on and share, because don't you think it makes a big difference when you hear, hear those kind of messages?
0: It does. It does. It lets you know how you're impacting the future of pharmacy. And I want to encourage those students out there listening. If you do not have a mentor, please, that is number one priority is to establish a mentor, someone that can can, you know, encourage you and guide you along your path, your career path in pharmacy. So that that's number one. And I, I I thank you, Melissa, for being a part of those of us who are out there that put mentorship first and that we know uh, how impactful it is to the students that we mentor and to the profession as a whole.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, you and I could keep talking. We could keep going, but our time together (laughs) is winding down. And you know, one of the things that's kind of a hallmark of the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast is I ask all my guests at the close, um, while I have you, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Rx Scripts? Okay, so I want to leave the audience with uh,
0: the pearl of faith. And that pearl means that don't give up, have faith in yourself, have faith in your vision and have faith in your ability to achieve. And if you have faith in yourself and faith in your, your future, no one can stop you from achieving that.
1: I love it. Anjanette have faith in yourself, faith in your future, and you know, you can accomplish anything. So That is so, so powerful. And Jeanette, thanks so much for sharing your reflections, your pearls with me today. This is the Melissa Scripts podcast. I want to thank our listeners and also our outstanding producer, Kate Cruz with Executive Podcast Solutions, who helped make the magic happen. Thanks so much for listening.
0: I was trying to tell you thank you for your work on the Women in Pharmacy Committee. And, you know, for all you do for pharmacy, I'm really impressed with you, Melissa, and with your podcast. And I just wanted you to know how proud I am of you and what you're doing.
1: Um, Thanks. It means a lot.
0: (laughs) Yes, it does. It means a whole lot.